Hi, everybody. This is Nikki. I'm here with Blair Hart, and we're going to talk about her experience um, that she went through with her husband, who was diagnosed with ALS. And um, I didn't really, I mean, I knew about it, um, so I decided to do a little bit of research on it. And um, it's it's a pretty awful disease. So, um, so anyway, Blair, thank you for doing this interview. Um, tell us a little bit about your background, um, how you met Tony, and then, uh, then about you know the, when he found out about the um, ALS. Well, I grew up in the country on basically a farm upper in uh, Blackford County. And from there, I went to high school in Jay County eventually. And that's where I met Tony. And we got married our senior year of high school. So, and then when he was diagnosed, you know, we, we lived our life. You know, we had kids, three sons. So, um, how long were you guys married um, all together? Well, let me think. Let me check the date to be sure I have it right. Don't forget <laughs> how that goes sometimes in your life. Oh, I know. <laughs> uh, so, 18, uh, 20, 34 years. Wow. That's a long time. So, and you, you have three, three, sons. three children together, three grown. There's, I mean, they're grown up now. Right. <laughs> they have children now. So, um, but together you guys, you raised a family, then you had your own business and, um, how long after like owning your business, did you find out that he found out he had the ALS? Well, we started uh, the business in the fall of 1999 and in 2000 and uh, late 2012, he was diagnosed with ALS. Prior to that, you know, we had been, you know, we had had trucking, then we did some warehousing. We just kept adding things as we went along. But when he was diagnosed, we were doing multiple jobs, you know, we were doing some repackaging for customers, stuff like that. And he'd had a couple of slips and falls that were basically unexplained. So the second one, we were, I was like, well, we were getting ready to take a long vacation, like be gone a month. And mm -hmm. decided we had to figure out what was going on with him before we went on this vacation. So that's what we did. Oh, but yeah. I go to the doctor. We start, got to start figuring it out. That happened in like early summer area. But we officially didn't get the diagnosis from the multidisciplinary clinic in Indianapolis until September. My youngest son, who was going to med school at the same time, he he had already diagnosed. He was pretty sure his dad had ALS. So but, he felt like his dad had it, but it, he wasn't diagnosed. Right. He felt like that's what was going on with him when he yeah. first started having trouble. And uh, it went on for... It took months. I mean, no one wants to tell you you have a disease you're going to die from. It just doesn't happen. We went to a neurosurgeon, uh, neurologist in Richmond, you know, did lots of testing. He said, oh, it's just, you know, maybe you had a stroke or something that affected your, you know, your 
cerebral cortex, you know, turns out, you know, he didn't know what he was talking about, but he said, well, tell us that Tony's dying. I know. It really was terrible. He sent us to a neurosurgeon in Muncie because Tony did have spinal stenosis also. So he sent us to this neurosurgeon and that guy was livid. He was like, you shouldn't even be here. There's no reason because he called the other doctor and he told us there that he was sure that Tony had ALS. But we went ahead and had uh, uh, Joel contact the multidisciplinary clinic, which is a Dr. Pascuzzi runs in Indianapolis. And we uh, got an appointment there like the same week. We were there on Thursday. With, we had an appointment with Dr. Grabodkin. She saw him in the afternoon. We got there. Our appointment was like at 1. We left there about 6 o'clock that night. It was all done. She said, here's what you need to do. She gave us a letter to take Social Security, all this stuff. She said, there's no doubt this is what you have. You have ALS. You need to go home. Think about things. Yeah, so was, yeah. so was there like a, any like testing that they did or did they just oh, yeah. talk? They did they, testing. They did uh, all kinds of testing. He had all kinds. Of, he had the MRIs. He had CAT scans. He had this. He had that. EMGs. EMGs is the definitive test. It, And the reason they decided it was ALS is because it affected his face and his lower extremities. And your motor neurons are controlled certain portions are controlled like from here down and here up basically is the short version of it. Right. So she said, Oh no, this is it. She said, we're going to go ahead and do two tests. We're going to check for, uh, we're going to do some blood work and we're going to check for cancer was one of them. She said, there's an off chance of that. And syphilis was the other one. Do you know so, the, the, what ALS stands for? I yeah, looked it up, but I can't pronounce the words. I can't either. <laughs> We've got somebody sclerosis. watching and like see, atrial, see asked what it was. Atrial lateral sclerosis, something yeah. like that. I'm not yeah. Yeah. Um, I used to be able to say it well, but, you know, I don't use the I, <laughs> I did look it up. I was like, oh, yeah. yeah that, little, those words aren't for me to say. <laughs> yeah. But it, uh, so basically, you know, we're there at her office and she's, you know, going through all this stuff. And, you know, she was very straightforward. Yeah. Know, said, here's what's going to happen. She said, we're going to test for these other two things. And never in my life did I think I want to find out my husband had syphilis. Because she said, yeah. if you got syphilis, we'll give him some antibiotics, we're done. I was like, wow. That's <laughs> that that would have been, yeah, that would have been a better outcome. And I'm wondering. But a different conversation. <laughs> yeah. Want to have, but then you think he's dying. So what is the options? So yeah. uh, we uh, we went home and they set an appointment for a month later to go back to the clinic. But yeah. it got home. Uh, you know, Tony was pretty quiet. It was pretty hard on the way home. I mean, you know, oh, yeah. he was talking about. I mean, you know, dying. I mean, like, what happened? <laughs> either I wouldn't be able to think straight. Or I would, my mind would be flooded with, oh, my God, what are we going to do? And all these things about, well, he takes care of this. He takes care of that. Who's going to take care of that now? You know? And, well, wait, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Holy crap, it's going to be me. <laughs> That's never entered my mind. It was more about how are we going to deal with this? What's, what's our first step? What do we need to do? 
uh, you know, what's Tony had some decisions to make. What kind of life yeah. support did he want? Things like yeah. that. Those are big decisions uh, you have to make. He was 49 when that happened. Well, I I found this researcher. He's at Duke. And uh, he said he was a resident there mm -hmm. about 20-something years ago. And he said one of his first patients that he was with his resident, and he had ALS. And the doctor told him, I'm sorry, we don't know anything about this disease and there's nothing we can do for you. And he said that was such a, a life-changing moment for him. He's like, what do you mean? There's nothing that we can do for this person. So he stayed, he ended up staying at Duke and doing research and everything. And, um, he, they've got some new stuff coming down the pike and everything. And I was just like, it takes all this time to, to try and find something to make, you know, ease symptoms or prolong your, their life or whatever. It just, and he just said that a lot of it is government bureaucracy, the companies, you know, that hinders them from getting a lot more done. To bring it to the market, is, it is extremely expensive. And when you're looking at very specific diseases, like I can't remember what they call them exactly, but diseases that don't have a lot of people affected, you know, drug companies make money off of blood pressure meds. They're not going to make a ton of money off of this, something for ALS. And the cost of doing all that research is a lot of money. It takes... I don't know what the number is today. I, I would estimate millions, billions. It's a lot of money. And it takes years sometimes. Now, now a lot of drugs, like for ALS, they do fast track those. Because the truth of the matter is, the reason they do it is because you're dying anyway. So, if it does, so, help, that's good. If it doesn't, you know, they're, yeah. they're just, it's not going to be the end of the world. Right. So, after that, um, so, you know, you guys are going home and you know, you have an appointment in a month after that initial, you know, whatever you want to call it. What was like a big thing in Tony that changed that made you think this is really happening? You know, because I know sometimes people go through life and are like, yeah, you know, I've got this problem, but you don't actually believe it until you see it, you know. I mean, was it something like that for you or did, I mean, did something happen with him that was like, okay, our lives are changing, you know? He had already been having so many problems like with walking and, and, you know, just basic life skills, holding silverware, things like that. At the point when he was diagnosed, he had, he had quit driving at that point because he could not control his feet well enough. Okay. Uh, we went through a whole series of stuff that summer of running into simple little things like with the gator, you know, or the forklift or the pickup, whatever, you know, nothing, you know, we ran into a building. It's not that big a deal. I, I mean, you know, you don't want to tell somebody that's having that kind of trouble. You can't drive. They have to make that decision eventually themselves because you're losing everything other than your mind. That decision when he like wrecked or kept crashed in a tree or something. Well, that's basically what happened. Yeah, yeah, we, you know, yeah. happens. And, you know, I'm I have to say that I can't say enough about the multidisciplinary clinic in Indianapolis. They do a fabulous job. 
the ALS Association in Indiana does a fabulous job. Like, we were there on Thursday. On Friday, they were already delivering equipment to help Tony. I mean, it was just that quick. Because it, it really was. They had thought at the time he would be somewhere between 18 months to two years, just depending on how he got along. Uh, he, he From diagnosis to death, was about 17 months. But, you know, it was, uh, it was a steady, steady progression of not being able to do anything. But we came home from there for about three days. He really didn't say a lot. He was real quiet, which was not his normal self. He just was thinking about stuff. And we got done. He said, well, here's what I think. This is what I want to do. Uh, I don't want to. I mean, I don't want life support that way. I don't want to ventilate. I don't want to be on a vent the rest of my life. I don't want a feeding tube. He could have had that choice. He had those choices. Those were the big things he had to make the decision about. And uh, he said, I want to take one more vacation. If we can figure it out. And uh, which we did that the following summer, his sister and her husband helped us. And we went to camper and we camped. We went to South Dakota and back. We had a fifth wheel with uh, four slides on it. I took all the living area out and moved all his medical equipment into that area. And, and you know, we bought a ramp that was specifically designed to work with something like this. Uh, the only thing I can say is that if you have anything, it's really hard to have ALS or have any life-ending disease or long-term care disease because they're, you know, unless if you have nothing and you're on like so uh, on uh, disability or, uh, you know, you can get on Medicaid, that stuff's paid for. Otherwise, you pay for it yourself, a lot of it. It's sad that we live in such an advanced country that we can't figure out how to help people in the t that time of their life. Because not everybody has that option. You know, I see it all the time still in the ALS Association. You see in that community, you see people that it's just a struggle. I mean, it really, it's simple stuff. Make it building ramps. You know, you get yeah. everywhere. You got a wheelchair. Uh, right. I mean, the wheelchairs they have, they are phenomenal. But still, you got to have a lot of stuff to make all these things happen. We were fortunate that we were able to do all these things. We could afford this stuff. We could afford all the care that he needed. I mean, eventually I did hire help, hired a private nurse to come in and help. I had one, she worked, she was there about a year. She started out part-time, moved to full-time eventually, which was always the goal. And then eventually towards the end, I had to hire a second one because it got to be so much at night to try to get any rest and care for him that had to have some sleep. And plus, I was working at least part-time, if not full-time some weeks, just depending on how things were going. And I can't say enough about how great my sons were. Uh, got good kids. Two that live here in town helped every day. Yeah. Every single day to help get their dad up and get him dressed yeah. and stuff like that. Uh, the, the youngest, who was going to med school, lived you know in Indianapolis. So he had a little bit farther, but he... He was there all the time too. It was. Oh yeah. They yeah. were all extremely helpful. We did everything we could to make those last months the best we could. Right. And right. I have to say that the the late that fall that when he was diagnosed, he wanted to have a family gathering 
I don't know. Probably, uh, I think we did it in November around Thanksgiving time. Mm -hmm. But he invited all of my siblings and his siblings and our parent and my parents. His were just oh, yeah. Everybody. And uh, he could still talk some. And he had bought me this uh, beautiful uh, necklace. And he could still speak some at that point. wasn't you know, wasn't perfect, but it was great. And when right. he spoke, he said <laughs> some of the best oh. things ever said in his life. I, I mean, right. It's terrible that we all have to get to that point that, you know, we have to be in such a position that we forget to say the really good things. Yeah. But when he was done talking, there wasn't a dry eye in the house. And Well, I know. I wasn't even there. And it, every time I hear you talk about that part, I get teary-eyed. <laughs> yeah. Just it makes me I mean, yeah. it was so, very moving. We did lots of things. You know, we did rodeos as fundraisers yeah. ALS. We had a lot of fun with that. You know, we've done different things. I still donate to, to the ALS Association. Uh, there's just a lot of things that we did to make it be the best memories we could. It's really yeah. hard at that point to stay positive. Right. Wrong. There were moments it was just ugly. Yeah. I, I mean. Uh, so, so you said it was 17 months from the time you know, he was diagnosed. Um, and then he ended up having to have around the clock care. Yes. Right. Because he was on, um, did you say he was on a ventilator or an external um, ventilator? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But then he said if he didn't want a, a feeding tube or anything like that. No. Yeah. So, how did the, um, I mean, how did, I know your boys stepped up and helped you with them and everything but i mean did that just did they take it like a positive experience as much as they could or i mean i know i, I mean I, I know your kids so but um to me it seemed like it made them stronger you know i think it definitely made them stronger i think it helped them to be more thankful every day in day-to-day -day life Oh, yeah. Because you realize that, you know, at any moment, your life can change in an instant. Yeah. And it made them more thankful. It made them closer. Made us all closer. We're a very close family even still today. You know, we don't always like everybody. We have disagreements, but we're still a close family. You know, we get together a lot and see each other regularly. It is very, uh, very hard sometimes to... Because, yeah, I mean, I could see that happening because they probably parts of them remind you of Tony and how they react to things and how they interact with each other, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so when the two youngest grow out their beards, especially, uh, you know, the one, the youngest, when he grows out his beard, he's, him and the middle one. Are, I know. <laughs> I know when I saw him, I did a double, <laughs> double take. <laughs> Just like your dad. It really was a whole range of emotions. You have them all when you go through this. Yeah. You have the positive, you have the negative. I mean, you got to right. live in the moment though. I mean, you got to, you got to relish every little moment and even the ugly stuff has to become fun. I mean, it just does. I mean, you know, one night, you know, late, you know, he was bedfast at that point or in the chair only. 
you know, he had, he couldn't do anything for himself at all. We had all kinds of alarms, but he had had an accident in bed. So I got, I was changing him and everything, getting everything cleaned up. And to be honest, I kept, kept smelling poop. And I'm like, my gosh, what, what the hell have I done? You know, I'm, I'm lifting legs. I'm looking everywhere. And he's just, you just see this big smile on his face. He's laughing. And I'm like, what? And he kept doing this with his head. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Throughout all of this, I had put on gloves and everything. I had gotten somehow done this and wiped poop on my nose. <laughs> so, you know. So the, he knew yeah. it, but you did it. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm totally moving. So, yeah. It's the only way it's going to happen. But it was just, uh, it was funny. I mean, you got to just get past that stuff, you know. Yeah. The stuff that happens, you know. You know right. He, he went through a phase where he didn't sleep for a few days, for about a week, a couple of weeks. That was kind of ugly, but we survived. Right. I finally called my middle one and said, you got to come sit with your dad. I have to nap. I know he's a butthead right now, but just tune <laughs> it out or something because I got to sleep. I mean. Otherwise, I may just smother him with a pillow. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm kidding. But, you know, you just <laughs> so much. Yeah. You have no idea you, the respect every person should have for a caregiver have, has no idea. Right. Exactly. If, if you've never done it like that and had to care for a loved one, it takes a lot. It takes a lot. It does. Physically and emotionally. It is. Right. Event. But you just have to keep going through day to day. You know, he had well, one even Probably. I mean, because, you know, you're taking care of them, doing everything you can to make sure that they're happy and um, comfortable. But then after they pass, then you it's like you have to deal with it. It's in your face. You know, what do you do now? <laughs> you know, you don't have something physical to do to take your mind off of it. You know, <laughs> so I'm blessed with a very, very good family. My siblings uh, all came home, and uh, we we did an unconventional funeral service. We had yep. it at our place of empl employment. Uh, we repainted a whole entire area, set up tables, decorated all kinds of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> had the food catered. You know, we had him here. It was, it was wonderful. I mean, I wouldn't. Yeah. He would have loved it. I mean, oh, he yeah. was he was a, he was a worker. That's what he was. He was about work. So it turned out great. But then after all of that stuff was done, my youngest sister stayed with me uh, a week, week and a half, something like that, maybe two weeks. That helped transition. But basically what happened is quickly I took care of the medical stuff because that was just a constant reminder. So I got that stuff. I you know donated it to the ALS Association, the bulk of it. There was only a couple of things that I kept. And then I had, uh, then I went to work, went back to work and just threw myself into work and stayed busy. One of the things that I, when I was listening to that, or that doctor, he said that a lot of people, a lot of people with ALS will do a lot of different um, testing or clinical trials or drugs or anything. I mean, did Tony do any of that? Um, did he... Or did he was just like, nope, this is it. <laughs> he really know. didn't qualify for any by the time he was sick. Because you have to be in a certain, at that time, any of them they had available, you had to be in a certain shape in order to physically, in order to to do the test, to do the clinical trials. 
we did look into him. He did take one one medication. We paid for that. Uh, and I have to say, I mean, you know, we all diss on Walmart a little bit, but Walmart actually sold me the drug the cheapest because we had to pay for it out of pocket because it was a formulary drug. But um, they said they would, uh, as long as I gave them two-day notice to get the drug in, they would sell it at cost. So it was cheaper than any place else I'd found it because I shopped it before. Yeah, right. You know, and plus the, you know, the clinic in Indy also said, hey, try here or try there, you know, but it, the chances so of working were like, it works in a third of the people, a third of the time, something like that. Yeah. Much, it, it, it helps. It prolongs. Mm -hmm. It doesn't reverse right. it, but it does help. Yeah. I, life. The one thing he said is, I mean, like, there's no cure for it, no. you know, and the only thing they can do is just try to slow the progression, you know. Um, so, but it sounds like his was like a genetic because he felt pretty positive his his dad has that. Um, so, I lost my train of thought. It's a hard decision. <laughs> I mean, you don't know. They have no idea where it comes from exactly. They don't know what's genetic, what isn't. It does seem to run in some families. It does seem to run in some areas. Everybody yeah. has ALS should report it because they do they do studies on this stuff all the time. So yeah. they don't know if it's chemicals in the ground. You know, it gets in your groundwater and in the food supply or whatever. Uh, one of the doctors that we dealt with said he, he wouldn't be surprised if one day he found out it was like 50 different diseases and they're just calling it one thing. Because your brain is so miraculous. It's, it's the world's greatest supercomputer. There's no way to yeah. we're not, we're not smart enough yet to dissect all that. He so. did say that um, they have identified there's 30 different genes that people have that mm -hmm. uh, can cause ALS. Mm -hmm. And um, but one of the things they found some other some other drugs that help like with diabetes and with AIDS that can help with, um, you know, parts of ALS if, if it's not too far in advance, you right. know, but yeah, like you said, once they get to a certain point, there's really nothing that they can do. Just, I mean, it doesn't really slow it down. You know, it's like it's own train. Once it gets going, it just goes. But I definitely haven't stayed up on all the research. I do belong to a couple forums where I check in with certain people that I met through the organization of the ALS Association. So I keep up with that, but I don't do a lot otherwise. I mean, you know, I donate some money and live my life day to day and try to enjoy it the best I can. Because <laughs> life is too short to not enjoy it. We all have struggles. We all have the whole right. world has issues. Make the best of what you got. It's really right. like, so. Well, I, I really hated that you, your family had to go through that. Um, Cause I know when my um, middle son played baseball, your company uh, sponsored his team. And um, I mean, that was a long time ago. And then, <laughs> and then um, one of the fundraisers you all were doing at the, our community days, um, we're selling t-shirts and things. I had, you know, that's where I, I initially first like met you guys and he was there and 
you all were there and um and I really hadn't heard anything about it you know I didn't know I mean I knew it was some kind of a you know neurotic vessel disease you know but um but yeah I mean it seemed like as much as you guys could do to make that whole time of your life better as much as you could you guys did and I that's one thing I really like you know like about you and your family is that it's a crappy situation that you try to make it the best crap that you have to deal with you know and, that's exactly and about the sometimes that that's not easy to do you know and to keep going each day with it you know so um so how long has it been since um tony's passed seven years seven yep. is it the seven i was thinking six but i knew i i knew i wasn't right so but yeah uh -oh. so is it easier today to think about that whole time period or is it harder or or i mean I don't know they said time heals you all wounds. You just huh? learn to, you learn to live with it. Yeah, you learn to live with it. That's what it is. It isn't that it gets easier. I think that's the way with most death, especially people you're close to. You learn to live with it. it doesn't right. get easier. You just learn to live with it. It's just yeah. those things that's going to happen in life. You don't have options. You right. can't get rid of it. It's going to happen. I know. I mean, it's it's the cycle of life, and you just got to make the best of what you got. Yeah. There are times that, you know, I still miss him a lot. Oh, yeah. I'm not remarried. Uh, I dated a couple gentlemen, but other than well, that, I mean, he I've was alone, his so. own unique person, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's, so. uh, it's just, I'm glad I, uh, it, it is, I still go out and do a lot of stuff. I travel, I live my life, you know, I, you know, right. like, you know, I, you know, we do book club and. There's a lot yeah. of other stuff. I do a lot of crafts. I like to be busy. So uh, make the most of what I got. And I always wanted to travel more. So I do as much as I can. Yeah. This last year with the pandemic, you know, has, of course, put a damper on everything. But it sure did. <laughs> I, think okay once, so. I know, because I'm like, when am we going to go out with my friends? <laughs> yeah. When can I go? I got to do something. Tired I know. You know, being everything, you know, where you do it like this virtually or you yeah, little groups, you know, you can't just go do something. It's I so know. hard to do that. And I everything's know. changed. and it, it has changed, yes. Well, Blair, yeah. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on here and um, telling us about your experience with Tony. And um, it really means a lot to me so um so if you have any questions or comments for blair just put them in the notes um stephanie did comment um asking what als was and she said bless your heart <laughs> and uh it's interesting i'll say that yeah <laughs> you meet a lot of wonderful people you really do yeah I mean, just the people that have ALS plus their supports, plus their support families and there's yeah. all those groups. I mean, it takes, you know, basically one person I know that her family, you know, they say it takes a village and it does. It does. I've done it without all the friends, the family, yeah. I mean, 
all those people helping, you just cannot get through it. If you have, whether it's friends or relatives, whatever yep. you need, you got to have it. It, it helps yeah. you so much. So it, that's, that's absolutely right. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you again. And you have a great day. You too, Nick. <laughs> all right. Bye. Bye.